0: Welcome to episode 106 of the Roger Snipe Show. Roger, 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 roger Snipe's Show. This podcast is brought to you by Clearlight Infrared Sauna. If you want the ultimate biohack, then this is it. Clearlight Infrared Sauna has state-of-the-art heating technology to produce optimal wavelengths of 360 degrees infrared heat. Traditional saunas raise the temperature from the air, but infrared saunas raise your temperature from the core. The result is deeper tissue penetration. This is the perfect way to remove toxins. It promotes healing, revitalization, penetrates fat cells, and stimulates metabolism Clearlight Saunas is energy efficient, costing up to 45p per hour, virtually close to no EMF and low ELF technology. They also use eco-certified wood, so no toxic fumes when heated. You also get a lifetime warranty on a residential sauna. If you'd like to learn more about Clearlight Saunas or pick one up for yourself, then just click the link in the show notes and check it out. Now we've heard about sustainably sourced food, but what about clothes? This is something which I've been spending years looking into and I've managed to find something which I am happy to finally share. I've launched a range of clothes that are also sustainably sourced from 100% certified organic cotton. This is a glyphosate free, no fertilizer, no GMO grown cotton. This means no toxic chemicals on our skin and farmers are not in contact with any toxicity potentially harming their health or the environment. Organic cotton uses less water to grow too. The range of clothes will include t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and long sleeves with more items to come for both men, women and children. This is my company called UHP Clothing which stands for Unlocking Human Potential. Most of the tops have some sort of motivational message on there which fits perfectly with my brand ethos of fulfilling your potential and striving for greatness. If you're looking for something different which is environmentally friendly, motivational and cool then check out uhpclothing.com yo what's going on so today is going to be a a very interesting podcast uh, primarily focusing on something which is pretty big nowadays because of multiple reasons and that is like depression anxiety and all things to do with mental health so the person i have on my podcast today goes by the name of dr dan amina i had the great pleasure of speaking with a child and adolescent psychiatrist like himself um dr amina has a a medical degree from the university of california Los Angeles School of Medicine and yeah we explore many things regarding mental health and we discuss human psychology and how we navigate the paths of our emotions in the complex network of thoughts and feelings. Now Dr. Daniel Anima is an associate medical director of The Eamon Clinics, as you may have heard of, a very big clinic, a nationwide network of pioneering brain health clinics founded by Dr. Daniel Amon. He is also the co-author of The Suicide Solutions. Let's bring on Dr. Daniel Anima. So, Dr. Amina, how you doing, my friend?
1: I am doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on your platform. This is exciting.
0: It's exciting for me as well. You know, I've been looking around trying to find a person who is who can give me some great information about psychology um, and just maybe a couple of dark areas that people don't really go into and mm-hmm. I noticed that this is a, a type of area which you quite strongly specialize in. And um, I know recently, well, I don't know if it's recently, but I know that you've come out with a book, which is called The Suicide Solution. Is that right?
1: Correct. Correct. Yeah. Just uh, September 14th, re- released The Suicide Solution. Yeah. Super tough topic to discuss, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll spend some time on it. It's important that we have that discussion, though, because... People don't want to talk about it until, unfortunately, something happens. Right? No.
0: I know, I know. yeah, life is a life is taken or something. Yeah. So, you are a, an associate at uh, Associate Medical Director at Amon Clinics.
1: Yeah, so Amon Clinics started by Dr. Daniel Amon. Um, it's a clinic in the U.S. Um, so, for my friends and listeners, and your listeners out there. It's a clinic in the US. It's a mental health or brain health-based clinic. So that's our primary focus. We have kind of a holistic view on how we see health. Um, One thing we're known for is using neuroimaging uh, to actually look at the brain, because we believe it's how can you not look at the organ you treat or that you primarily treat. Um, And it has changed our whole strategy on treatment because we look at the brain. We now consider mental health, more brain health. And it, it's, it's a dynamic shift. It's a paradigm shift. It allows us to be more holistic in our treatment options. It removes the stigma because now you can actually see your PTSD. You can actually see that head trauma that leads to focus issues, issues managing your, your depression, your motivation, um, issues doing life right? Your brain is the most important part of you. And if it's not working well, you don't work well.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I came out with a book called, uh, your, your brain, um, gosh, I can't remember the name of it now. <laughs> your brain builds your body. Um, yeah. and it's like, it, it, it covers a lot to do with fitness. Obviously that's, yeah. that's what I'm really interested and passionate about. Yeah. And it's it's for me, it's the main thing for me to do the things that I do is making sure that upstairs is everything is in order. The moment mm-hmm. my mind is not in order, then everything else shifts. It's not as how I want it to be. So I'm always focusing on making sure I'm doing uh, little practices. Like I think the, the biggest practice for me is making sure that I have enough sleep. I think that is like, the, the biggest biohack of them all and then I think the next in line is probably nutrition and then probably um, some form of movement or resistance training what would you say is one of the key things a person needs to focus on um, to make sure that their brain is in optimal health and then maybe start at the top of the hierarchy and then slowly work your way down
1: um, I love conversations like this, right? Um, conversations like this lead into the answer to this question is li- living intentionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we live by default, we, we tend to live in an unhealthy way. It's, uh, it's unlikely that we're ever going to move towards greater order. It's actually one of the, the laws of physics. We, we tend to, things tend to move towards greater disorder versus order to move something towards order, we have to actually be intentional in moving it towards order. Your, your house, your room doesn't get clean by default. You would have to have a system that moves it into cleanliness, right? So if we want to be healthy physically, um, if we want to be healthy mentally, emotionally, financially, relationally, however it may be, we need to be intentional about that process. We need to think about that process. We need to learn about that process. We need to listen to others who who have attained a, a level of knowledge on that process and then say, how do I incorporate that into my life? And the part of our body that helps us do that is our brain. And that's where it all starts. What are we intentionally doing to, to promote the health of our brain? And you actually just spoke on some Exact ones that I tell everybody you got to be foundational in your sleep, right? If you don't, I, the last client I just worked with before we started this, this conversation, one of the areas we started off with was talking about her sleep. Sleep is foundational. Your brain doesn't turn on right the next day if you didn't get enough sleep. Then what are you putting in as fuel? If your nutrition is off, that's going to impact how you turn your brain on also. And unfortunately, a lot of us in this world, are exposed to poor nutrition, even though even, even if you live in a country that has surplus, right? Of course, there's many of us in this world that don't have choice in what we take in. But even in countries where there's surplus, sometimes we un, unintentionally take in things that actually harm our physical bodies and harm our brain. So maybe a shorter answer for this is living intentionally, right? And where does that start? with your brain. And then next with that, take care of your brain, which then allows you to live intentionally.
0: Powerful. That really does make sense. You know, intentional. And then once you're intentional, you're going, you're not going to be um, swayed by other people's distractions because you have intention, you're focused, you know, you're deliberate with everything that you do and um yeah if if somebody tries to sidetrack you or if i don't know the world tries to sidetrack you with all its shiny pennies and stuff um or um ways of trying to manipulate you you you're, you're mm-hmm. just intentional so it's like no no i don't need to focus on that so mm-hmm. I, I I like that. That's really well, good. Well, I
1: mean, it's it's probably like how you you go to the the gym, how uh, you go to work out. You don't just go in with no idea of what you're going to do that day. I mean, you can sometimes do that, maybe just kind of enjoy it, but you, you kind of have an idea, right? And you have an idea of what your 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 uh, training goals are, where you want to be in 3 weeks, 6 weeks, whatever the timeline may be, and you go in intentionally, you're more likely to achieve a goal. If you don't set goals, then you don't, and you don't have an intention. You bounce around in life and we get into the state where we get lost. And then that's when we get pulled in different directions. That's when someone says, Hey, go do this, try this, do whatever it may be. We get pulled and then we eventually look back and we find ourselves lost because we've made decisions that were not intentional for years. We've we've lived in a way that wasn't goal directed for years. And then we start looking around and going, what am I doing? Why am I here? Um, Feeling lost and people, get disillusioned in those states
0: what's happening there when people are completely lost and i don't know i I, there's so many different reasons and i think i'd like to get into that what are the different reasons for a person to feel completely lost to the i don't know whether it leads to depression or whether depression happens first and then they get lost. But what are the different reasons that can lead to a person just feeling, I don't even know what I'm doing in life anymore. And they start feeling, I don't know, depressed to the point where they're like, is it even worth it? Like, mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. am I even here? I don't understand. Like, I'm doing all this. I'm eating this food. What? You know, no fulfillment in life. Mm -hmm. even things which are said to be fulfillment it doesn't fulfill them in any way there's no joy Mm -hmm. so what what's happening there why does that happen
1: it's a great question great question it's part of why i do the work i do and it's part of the puzzle element of the work i do um so you know we didn't talk about this to start but i'm a i'm a psychiatrist A psychiatrist, we go to med school or medical school, so we're able to prescribe and such, but we also learn therapy, um, and therapy helps us understand ourselves, helps us understand our world better if it's done correctly. Um, And in my training, too, I also did a, a special training for something called child and adolescent psychiatry, which is where you actually look at the functioning of children, adolescents, but it helps me understand development overall, right? So the developmental process for us to get from being kids to being adults, right? So now I see children, adolescents, adults, um, even geriatric clients, right? We see, see them for different reasons, um, from simple things like uh, focus issues, learning issues to depression, anxiety, suicidality, bipolar disorder, um, dementia, whatever it may be, right? All brain related stuff. So that's the kind of work I'm doing on a daily, but really what it comes down to, to to get to answering your question is that when someone comes in and they're lost, right? However, we may define lost, however, they may define it, right? Each person has their own definition of it. It really starts with figuring out their story. Okay. How did they get to that point? Because no one gets to, I mean, there are some shared pathways that eventually someone gets to, I'm lost moment. There's some shared decisions that you go back to be like most people kind of did a couple of these things and that's why they ended up here. But each person's pathway is unique. And it really comes down to, well, all right, let's look at where it all starts. We all starts when we're born, right? Kind of, it somewhat starts when we're born, right? Sometimes it actually starts even before we're born, right? Into the environment we're born into. It even starts in the experiences of our parents, what? I mean, we're learning more and more about this genetically, that there's a process called epigenetics, where your genes can kind of change over time in some ways, where the experiences of the parents will impact their offspring. So if a parent has gone through trauma, it changes how which genes turn on and off in their offspring. So their offspring in some ways is set up or ready for a world that is more threatening. Okay. Well, Which then changes the dynamic of how they will see their world. So your, your parental experiences can sometimes be a a start of it all before you even, you even are born or even into it. Um, And then you're born. And then depending on your environment, hopefully uh, things are going well, but if it's not that healthy environment, it can also impact your development. So there's, and this is a whole theme in itself, but when someone's been exposed to childhood trauma, it increases your risk for eventually being lost. Again, loss may eventually lead to a diagnosis of depression, anxiety, whatever it may be, right? Mm. But childhood trauma increases your risk for a significant amount of conditions, even just cognitive, cognitive conditions, just like learning disorders or whatever it may be, right? Um, then you go from there, unfortunately, in that you start making decisions as an adult. And when people get to that phase of lost, it's they've made decisions along the way that are not probably true to their best interest. And eventually, and you know, what's what I was talking about earlier, you, you start making default decisions in some ways you live in life into default and you look one day, stop and look around and go, am I even doing what I want to do? Am I even where I want to be? Am I in the relationships that I want to be in? Do I have the health that I want to be in? And they don't know the answers. So those questions and that, that can trigger that, that feeling of lost. And I'll, I'll give some more on this as we kind of go in our conversation, but yeah. there's, there's this narrative piece that we tell ourselves, you know, there, there's so many elements to how we eventually get to that place of lost, but it's a puzzle. And that's actually what makes me excited to do this work. It's like helping each client figure out what their puzzle is.
0: It must be must be quite exciting, you know. Uh, as you were saying about the, the the story part, where you know you need to find out where it comes from. Um, another thing, as you was talking, it made me question. You said um, it, it can happen maybe during conception, or you know, whilst baby is in the wound, mm-hmm. uh, womb, womb um, epigenetically. What is the purpose epigenetically like, you know, for, for you to inherit this trauma? like mm-hmm. I'm assuming I'm assuming it's supposed to be of benefit to us to, mm-hmm. you know, come into this world with, I don't know, a, a stressful mentality or something, you know, certain genes to be switched on like, is it supposed to enable us to be stronger in this world? It was, is that the, the whole idea behind it?
1: Yeah, so the, the human body, the human brain um, is fascinating. It's amazing when you get down to studying it. I mean, when you really, really understand the miracle of life, you, you would actually potentially treasure it more. You'll actually take care of our temples a little bit better right this this body that we have because it's it's like such a miracle to be able to have consciousness right to even know that we're here to be able to reflect on the fact we're here it's like such a gift i mean th- we haven't even been able to replicate it in with all our scientific knowledge building computers that are fully self aware it's miraculous to have life right i mean that for one thing that's like one perspective to like wake the day up into right? If you have a perspective of it's a miracle that I have life, that I have perception that anything works. Like when, when going through med school and you started reading about all the things that can go wrong, you're like fascinated. Anything goes right. Just <laughs> even from the process to like conception to delivery, there's so much that can go wrong. But the fact that most of, you know, a decent amount of time it goes right is pretty fascinating and amazing. So the, 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 the brain and the body is, is built to adapt, okay? And we learn to adapt to our environments, um, good and bad. Our brain gets better at doing whatever it's doing, even if it's good or bad. So if the, the brain has, or our biology and our genetics have seen that we're increasingly, or our parents were increasingly exposed to stressors, it tries to create offspring that will be a, more resilient to those stressors. That doesn't automatically mean that that's a good adaptation. It just might be helpful for those particular mix of stressors. So, I'll give you just a simple one. So, let's say um, the parents were in situations where there was food scarcity. They weren't always getting good food or good nutrition, right? So, they tended to run low on nutrients. Um, it can change how the offspring hold on to nutrients. So, now let's say the offspring are in a situation you know, the, the parents did their thing, they got in a better situation. Um, but the offspring's genes are set up to now hold on to whatever calories they get. So now they're living in a place with maybe better calories and or at least more calories, maybe not the most nutritious, and they're eating particular sets of food. What do you get, you start getting obesity, you start getting diabetes, you start getting all these other things starting to show up, right? Initially, it was a it was a potential benefit. Let's make sure we get more calories because we hold on more calories. We're more likely to survive. Um, but, oh, the environment has shifted. The environment has shifted very quickly and the, the genes haven't had quite the time to adapt yet. The, the other analogy is if someone is in born into a neighborhood or where there's a lot of war or violence or whatever it may be, it changes kind of that internal alarm system for the child. the the internal alarm system for that child needs to be more sensitive, right? Let me let me go back. I'll use an analogy of like if you were a caveman and woman and you had your your cave baby, okay. Um, If if there were lions in your neighborhood, okay, where you're living around your cave, um, you need your baby ready to go as soon as possible, and to be ready to be able to adapt to seeing and managing and running away from lions. So the threat response it needs to be quicker and faster in that child. So looking for lions, looking for things that may be threats needs to be up. The anxiety level needs to be up because that will keep you alive and keep you safe. But in let's say in an environment like, oh, there's no more lions. You just got to take your kid to school. But the brain is still set up to see more threat. It's not, obviously it's not gonna be looking for real lions, but it's gonna find other things to be lions. It's gonna find the teacher to be lion, the work to be lions. It could, it could be the other kids to be lions, which then creates a greater level of anxiety. But we don't live in isolation. So we, at some point start going, why am I more anxious than the other kid? What's going on with me? Is that something wrong with me? And then now we, this is the big part. We start to tell ourselves a story about ourselves. Okay. It's the gift of, of being self of being conscious beings is that part of it is that we go, Oh, my, my name is Daniel. My name is Roger, right? You, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is what people have said about me. This is what I believe about that. And then you start living into that narrative. That is some powerful stuff because now if you start living into a narrative, you need to be careful of what that narrative is. Is that a narrative that builds you up or is it a narrative that slowly causes decay in you? The world is not safe. I'm not good enough. People can't be trusted. What if that's part of your narrative? And what if you don't know it? Like some people live a life where that's elements of their narrative and they live into these patterns of belief and it actually dictates their life. This is another reason why people get lost at some point. Right?
0: That's powerful. I think even, I think even music can send little subliminals in the brain. I used to listen to a lot of gangster rap in the past, and my behavior after listening to that music was not cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very selective with music that I listen to now because I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm consciously aware of how I'm feeling and. To certain thought processes that follow shortly afterwards might yeah. not be just like a I don't know like a fireworks moment but I am consciously I'm like wait that's not normal ah I see what's going on there mm-hmm. um so yeah it, it, you gotta be careful man you gotta have your yeah. filters on sometimes you know
1: <laughs> I, I I love music as a tool by the way I love music as a tool um either it's a tool to motivate. It's an, it's a powerful outlet. I mean, you just brought up a, a topic there of the idea of thoughts leading to um, our behaviors, but something that comes even, even right before that is is emotions, right? We'll have a thought about something. It could be something that's planted there by what we listened to or what we heard or what we read or what someone said or an in, uh, an, an incident or a trigger. And then you have a thought about it. Then, Rapidly, very quickly after that, you're going to have an emotion. That's always happens. No thoughts. Almost every thought comes with emotion, right? And then from that, there's going to come a behavior. And often we've sometimes focused on trying to control the behavior or maybe try to control the emotion, but we don't spend enough trying, time trying to control or be more um, mindful of our thought process, right? Or, or what's feeding our thoughts. So, you know, in, during COVID, a lot of people were scrolling online You know, doom scrolling, that's the term that they call it out here. Mm -hmm. Um, Just looking at all these terrible things happening in the world that we have no control over. People getting mad at each other. Everything's politicized, just scrolling, 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 going through it, right? And what does that do? It's going to generate emotions. It's going to generate emotions of feeling helpless, powerless, less, um, and even anxiety. And that builds over time. And we don't even intentionally manage it at times. We just, here's another bad thing that happened, another bad thing that happened. No intentional processing of it. That's going to impact our emotions that eventually impacts our behavior. So then you see people getting more angry, more upset, more, even more divided in the context of it all, right? Because the behavior will eventually come from everything that you're being exposed to. So being even intentional about what you think being intentional what you expose yourself to can change how you feel emotionally can also change your behavior
0: amazing what would you say about people who feel trapped in their feelings like they Mm. they 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 think about something it makes them feel a certain way Mm. and it makes them feel like really bad you know like (laughs) you know, um, anxiety, deep stress, depression. And they're like, I just really need to clear this from my head, but I can't stop thinking about it. Mm -hmm. What's going on there? Like, why is it they can't seem to move away from the situation? And what would you say would be a solution for that?
1: Yeah. First thing is I always want to, when, when someone is trying to improve on something of themselves, um and whether especially if it's been identified as like a a not as healthy thing um first try to find out why it's there like start with curiosity it's like i wonder why i wonder why i do that but not in curiosity with judgment but just curiosity i wonder why it's there yeah was there ever a point where this was useful for it to be there could there have been some use with this And if you can find any bit of use, some kind of benefit that it was there or reason it was there, um, thank it. As random as that sounds, even if it's that you you get too angry sometimes or whatever, be like, well, is there a reason why I might have gotten like that? Was there certain things I saw in my youth? Was there a way to protect myself? You thank that part of your brain and you say, hey, look, you know, thank you for protecting me. This is a way you helped me along the way. But. This is not as useful now, right? Being able to make that connection, starting from a place that we're not going to uh, attack self or say, I'm not good enough. Uh, shame is a terrible oh, guilt is a terrible motivator for change. It's a terrible motivator. So that's the same thing. If someone was like drinking too much or whatever, and they want to stop drinking, don't start from a position of shame, recognize what got you there first. Right? So the, the point is be, be aware. Be aware of what got you there. Ask those particular questions. And then you start going into, all right, what, is, what, what was the need for this? Was this to protect myself? Are there better ways to protect myself now? Right, And can there be more intentional ways of protecting myself? Do I get angry because I don't set good boundaries? Do I get angry because I don't feel valued? Do I get angry or do I get sad or do I overfocus on on negative relationships because I have surrounded myself with relationships with people that aren't bi-directional, that aren't as supportive? Because then it shifts you to a point of control and shifts you to a point of action. I mean, let, let's think of it like this. Um, I always, when I'm working with my clients, I talk about uh, a concept uh, called a circle of influence in some ways. Okay. You, like, you draw a circle. Um And you you maybe on the side, you list out all your worries, all your concerns, all those thoughts that are going through the mind, all the things that got you into that dark spot. Okay. All of them, just everything you can think of, just write them all down. Then outside the circle, you write all the things that you literally have not, you couldn't control. Okay. It could be something going on in your environment and your, with your job, whatever it meant. You, you, there's nothing you could do about it. You just write them outside the circle. And then things that are kind of a little fuzzy, you may have a part to play in it, something you can do, you write right on the line, right on the line. And then things that you have direct control of, you put them right in the circle, right in the middle. Okay. And then you focus on the things in the circle. That's the, the, the first point. You focus on the things in the circle and then you say, what can I do now? Is there something I can do today that relates to these things in the circle? So if the mind is going off about all these dark thoughts, all these worries, all these things, then you say, okay, why? Why is it there? What purpose did it have for me before? Um, let me list out all my concerns over here. What can I move into action on? How can I feel empowered in this moment? Empowerment in the moment is huge for motivating us to its change and to its health. Um, finding those points of focus and putting our attention on that and then starting action there is one of the ways to start moving us forward from depression, anxiety, those dark thoughts, those things that overwhelm us. Now, the other last piece of it is that remember, we just talked about thoughts, emotions, behavior, Mm. Um, being mindful of where we're placing the majority of our thoughts. If we're placing the majority of, of our thoughts outside the circle we're going to feel disempowered. We're going to feel like um, our world is moving out of our control and we're going to feel much more depressed. If we keep it in areas where we have control, we tend to feel more motivated, more encouraged. If we also tend to focus it on areas that are going well, where areas of potential gratitude, we do even better. So this is why I have people do that little gratitude practice. We all know this, right? Find two things that happened well that day. Find one person that you're happy is in your life that day. Make it a a practice where you do it daily. That rewires neurons in your brain. That will change how your brain runs over time. Not snap your fingers and it'll be done in one day thing. It's more of a practice. It's like going into lifting every day or something. It's going to change how uh, neurons, nerves, and such fire. So it actually helps you now look through the day to try to find things that you have control over, things that you have gratitude over versus the default, which is sometimes focusing on the negative. If we focus on the negative, things that we have no control over, things that are outside our circle of influence, we're going to have those strong negative emotions. Which will eventually impact our behaviors, which we could lead to substance abuse, which could lead to demotivation, which could lead to changes in our, our behavior, in our relationships, in our work, in our motivations for work, making decisions that a year later, five years later, get us to a place that we're like, I'm lost. Why am I here? Yeah,
0: yeah. Powerful. So powerful. And, you know, as you say that, it makes me think of let's say the current situation where you've got a lot of people watching a lot of TV, watching a yep. lot of news. Yep. Um, we've got a lot of situations going on around us. Yep. And to me, it almost doesn't make sense. Like watching that at all, buying into it, giving so much time and energy to it. Um, I stopped watching the news. I think since around 2000 and- Mm two i might catch a glimpse of it here and there but the moment i notice it's there i've changed the channel i'm like i don't want to know and it kind of fascinates me when people say oh my god didn't you see the news i'm like i don't want to know anything i need to know i'll get a letter through the door and i'll work with it accordingly you know the the news will somehow travel to me and i'll i'll deal with it in due course but yeah it's it's yeah um it that's so- a
1: that's a that's a good practice, right? I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm sure it probably is. You've noticed a a, a change of, or benefit, right? I'm assuming one of the reasons probably why you've avoided the news, and I'm glad you probably did in this last two years because it's been some of the, the worst news cycles, ever. I mean, maybe uh, unless you were in, World War One or two or some other things, um, but. Yeah, the always on nature of our world right now actually creates more stress for us. Mm-hmm. Our brain is always on. It's always getting pinged by our smartphones. Um, we're, we're, we're too hyper-connected mm-hmm. to things we don't have control over. We're like literally hyper-connected. I mean, we can find out some awful thing that happens clear around the world. A lot of the time of history could you do that, yeah. right? you, you You were primarily influenced by your immediate neighborhood. And maybe a newspaper that would come by but literally you can wake up in the morning and learn of 10 awful things that have happened wild this is challenging it makes it challenging to be at peace
0: Mm. so we literally have to actively disconnect
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um, because of all this stimulus around us exactly as you say really you know uh, our minds are hyper connected um we were born that way, but we are still hardwired to our, um, um, I don't know, indigenous behavior or indigenous kind of setup um, mm-hmm. by our new world that we're in. It's, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's very challenging. Um, I wanted to ask, what is the difference between a psychiatrist and a psychologist
1: because
0: mm-hmm. you're a psychiatrist. I'm like, okay, but what is the difference?
1: So, so great, great question. Great question. This one comes up all the time. Okay. Like, all the time. Um, <laughs> so uh, a, a psychiatrist is medically trained. So a psychologist will do their own particular type of training. And often it's, it's a PhD program. So it's, it's a, Think of it as you complete college and you go through another four years to maybe complete some kind of dissertation or something. Um, and and they focus on mental health, mental health testing, uh, therapeutic methods. Um, their tools are primarily therapy and scales and rating scales. They, they get focused on research. There's different things that they will do. So you can see a psychologist that does therapy, and that would be their primary tool of engaging you. Okay, I'm working with you. Uh, A psychiatrist, again, goes to uh, college, then goes to medical school. So spend four years in medical school. So they will be MD, a medical doctor. Um, So technically able to treat you for other things also and prescribe medication in that that vein too. Um, Not only completing uh, uh, time in medical school, but they'll also do residency. So residency for me was... uh, Five years total because I did a fellowship, but I did a, a general residency in psychiatry, and then I added some extra time to to do a, a child and psychi- a child and adolescent fellowship. So that took another five years. So psychologists would do about four years on top of what they've done for college, and sometimes a little bit extra training on top of that. Uh, a, a psychiatrist would do four years of med school plus a residency which uh, the shortest residencies would be about four years for a psychiatrist. So we, we spend a lot of time in school. Um, the real difference and the easiest way to answer the question is one's a medical doctor, um, one's and one's able to prescribe. And that's, that's what the psychiatrist would be, medical doctor that can prescribe.
0: Okay. Okay. Right. makes more sense now. Okay, cool. Cool. When, when would a person know, okay, I need a, I need a psychiatrist. A, 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 you know, psychologist ain't ain't good enough. Do you have to be mm. running down the street naked, <laughs> saying no. "blue aliens," feel no. like that? No,
1: no, 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 not at all, not at all. Um, I think you know, my hope for the future is that we all have access to brain health. So we all have access to strategies that improve brain health, and that's going to mean that we need all the practitioners that that push forward brain health. So it's not going to be um, in illness that people seek out these practitioners; it's going to be while they're still well. Amazing. That's that's actually the point of focus. So it's not just going to be a psychiatrist, psychologist; it's going to be the. The, the the different categories of therapists but the therapists if it's even going to be the our, our yoga instructors our spiritual leaders and such they're all going to be part of a team that that push forward wellness they even our physical trainers they're even other people that help push forward wellness because that also supports brain health I want it to be proactive not always reactionary when something goes wrong even our coaches we have these Um, uh, mental health coaches, or um, uh, executive coaches, or career coaches, that actually falls in line with many of the things that also support intentional living, intentional action. So I think of it as a team-wide approach. Um, I want anybody listening to this to not think of pursuing brain health as something that, oh, it must mean that something's wrong with me. Never. Never. Uh, you find whoever is able to do it, and you start that process of intentionally moving forward in it. If you meet with a therapist who has master's level training or um, there's or, or or PhD level training as a as a psychologist would be great. You know why? Because that helps you figure out what your internal narrative is, what those stories you tell yourself and make sure that you're living intentionally and you're telling yourself the right stories that move you into better health so that you're not ending up lost. I almost prefer people doing that first before getting lost and then going, oh, man, why did I get lost? It's better to have a map in the beginning of a trip than when you're already lost. (sighs) And I wish we, we, we we had brought that into our schooling, our education of like, hey, it's important that you know about yourself. There should be a class on this already. Like every, every, every school, there should be a class on learning about yourself, learning about how your brain runs, learning about the different nuances of you, your, your own giftings, learning about what it would be like to actually develop purpose. There should be classes on this. Now, to answer your question of when should someone eventually go to a psychologist, a psychiatrist, again, start the process early. But if someone's already in, they're already having symptoms, they already have depression, anxiety, start wherever you can. Start with the, the therapist you can get. They can sometimes start to help you answer that question of, okay, and I may need you to see a PhD level, um, a psychologist that can help with further treatment strategies or therapeutic options. Do so we need to dive deeper? We need to understand your, your situation or your trauma better. Or someone may say, hey, you know what? I think you might not only need therapy, but based on the, the set of symptoms you're having, they're expansive, there's enough, it's impacting your physical, it's impacting your wellness, you're not even wanting to be alive, you might need to consider um, other strategies, other biological strategies, maybe um, supplements, maybe even medication. Consider meeting with a, a, a psychiatrist then.
0: Right, right. It sounds really interesting as, as you started to uh, go into that. It, it, it almost seemed like a like an optimal health strategy. Almost seemed like you don't need to wait for an issue to occur. Just go see one anyway. Like, mm-hmm. okay, why are you here? I don't know. I just I just want to be firing on all cylinders. I'm I don't feel stressed or anything like that. I just want to be an optimal human being. That sounds pretty cool.
1: That's lo- where we want, that's where we wanted to be. We, you know, at the aiming clinics, that's our one of our biggest goals. We have a lot of clients that come in for brain optimization like that's literally one of the ways they come in right they're not coming in because they're in illness we have some of course that are coming in with concerns right i mean actually one of our stats is that there's a decent amount of our our clients who've already met with at least was like 3.4 psychiatrists before they come see us because they've tried different strategies they failed uh, and it hasn't worked for them So they're seeking a new way of looking at things. And that's one of the things we do. We look at things quite a bit differently. We look at things very holistically. We talk about the biological influences, the psychological influences, the social, the spiritual influences, all of those things. We're we're looking at all the things that may potentially impact that patient's presentation, right? Whatever the symptom set that they may have. Um, Having that perspective I want that to just be just a general perspective, right? People who listen to you shouldn't just um, be listening to you when they're out of shape. They should be listening to you to in shape and to continue to to live a lifestyle of wellness, right? We we want to get to a place where we live a lifestyle of wellness. And that's even what I talk about in, in my book. And, and it, the book is, is called Suicide Solution, but um, it's interesting because the the more I've talked to people about it, I realize that it's just a way to live. As much as it is, you know, people will think, "Oh, well, I'm not suicidal, right?" So I probably don't, you know, need to think about that. But it's just really a way to live. It's a way to live. A lot of the strategies there in the book are, yes, targeting people who have dealt with suicidal ideation um, or family members of people who have dealt with suicidal ideation, explaining where it comes from, why it even happens. Like, why would the brain even do that? Um, explaining that element of it. But then it really just gets into, hey, your are proactive strategies. You don't have to wait till you're having those things. Proactively live in a particular way and you're less likely to have these things. Again, my hope, my dream is that in the future, we destigmatize brain health conditions and we realize that they're medical. They are medical. And in that vein, we then work proactively to treat them proactively to manage them proactively to prevent them right that's my my dream yeah uh, hope I hope we get there soon,
0: yeah, yeah, that's so cool, especially knowing that people had or uh, patients or clients had been to a few other people to finally come to Amon clinics to be like okay this is this is." I'm coming here for the final treatment now because it hasn't gone, it hasn't worked anywhere else. I heard you guys are yeah, good, yeah. and this is the final stop. That's cool, you know. Yeah. Guys doing the, the 360 view on it as opposed to the real gunshot approach by, um, you know, uh, I guess a lot of places. Um, you know, the holistic approach. You mentioned spiritually as well. Like you, you help them spiritually. That's quite interesting. Like, what do you, what what typically do you discuss with them in terms of spirituality? Like, what is it you do with them? Because it's very,
1: really, really good question. And this is, a, you know, another area that becomes stigmatized in its own way um, and can become a, a slightly challenging topic to delve into. Each person has their own particular spiritual journey. We're not going to tell anybody what spiritual journey to, to go 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 down right it's their, their own particular journey right um, but we do want them thinking in that way in some ways it, because it really comes down to why does it all matter okay how are you intentionally going about that process of figuring out that answer each person gets to that answer differently right each person has their own journey to get to that answer why does this all matter what is the significance of it all It can overlap with things like purpose. It can overlap with things like helping you answer why the challenging things happen. It can even help be a part of your resilience in general. This is the why it's all matter. And that's how we kind of bring that in into our discussion of that biopsychosocial spiritual model. Uh, along the way even if i you know if i w- if we work together we create this great biological plan that's going to target the parts of the brain and the body that aren't working as well we start working on the narrative the internal narratives we find that automatic negativity bias that they have um we we, we address all these things but then it really comes down to why why why, why do it all right um wh- what what's the meaning what's the purpose of it all and each person answers it a little bit differently. Uh, we're not going to tell them how to answer it, uh, but we want to encourage that journey, as that it's going to be part of their wellness journey.
0: Okay, cool, yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, that's that's cool. I mean, I've I've I think I've maybe in the last couple of years I've been starting to work a bit more on my spiritual journey, and I think I had an introduction to spirituality when I was Christian in my earlier years. And then I kind of felt that Christianity um, offered a lot, but it was just maybe a bit too dogmatic for me. Um, But there was lots of great things I could take away from it. And uh, yeah, continue in my own kind of way. So I guess it's quite interesting to see, okay, is this person ready to understand about spirituality? Um, do you feel that every person is ready to hear what you got to say about that? Is there a certain approach where you would listen to whatever feedback you get before you talk about that? Or it's like, okay.
1: Oh, hundred yeah, oh, yeah. percent. Oh my goodness. <laughs> if there's ever one area, you got to take it slower. It's that, because, um, yeah, for some, it can limit the whole message or, or because it would just, the little flag goes up in the head. They're like, I don't hear anything anymore right because you, you said that that key word or whatever now so we, we it, it pretty much it goes by where they're at um so i work with a lot of different clients people who have the atheists they're agnostic they're they're christians they're catholics they're mormon they're buddhist they're whatever it may be yeah. um no issues with however you come in um i just want you to have your best health i i do think a. uh, uh and the pattern we've seen a, a more full experience to this world is having some element of spiritual journey. The 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 more the the clients that we see, and even just in the people that you read about and learn about them, you, you, you know, when you do your own research too, and see people out there that you kind of like look up to of like how they're going through life, the the a decent amount of them have. A component of their wellness is their understanding of their spiritual journey, right? And it's it's part of our human experience. There's there's connecting with each other is part of our human experience. It's our ongoing improved self improvement is part of our human experience. It's what we kind of build or leave behind is part of our human experience. And then another element of it is the why it all matters in this existence piece. It's it's that spiritual journey. It's why. It doesn't matter where you end up in some jungle, some desert, some random spot in the world. There's some mystical, spiritual something going on there, right? Because it's just part of how the, the, our human brain works, right? Yeah. So to miss out on that completely or to pretend it doesn't exist, it, it actually, for some, is, it, it's a limiter. You're limiting an ex, a part of your experience of this world. Yeah, I
0: definitely agree on that. And, you know, since it has to be a pretty slow approach when you're speaking to some people, especially if you say they're, you know, atheists or, I don't Mm -hmm. know, pretty religious in certain areas. Mm -hmm. Like if I try to, if I talk about my spiritual journey on social media, some people are like, no it's about Alan. I don't know Jesus I'm like okay do you know what like everyone's got their own thoughts and beliefs like I'm just putting it out there sharing my beliefs okay cool like you know as long as you're feeling good and you're giving out good vibes to the world then whatever really um
1: well, that's true, right? And, and the world has become so reactive now, right? So even if you just did post something, it, and it might be benign in some ways, in many ways, but it it people will latch on to the other preconceived notions about whatever that thing is and then throw those preconceived notions on you. They're like, well, that's what you must have meant and done and everything. So you're like, oh, no, that's not what I was talking about. I was just saying this. But un- unfortunately, that that can happen, right? And, you know... Uh, my hope is that we move into a state of more understanding of each other. I think more recently we've, we've definitely gone into this state of decreased understanding of each other. And we've gone into this divided, I mean, it's happening all over the world. Everybody's divided, pushed into the corners, right. Of that's what you believe. Well, I'm over here, you know, and you must be that kind of person. Like, no, there's, there's a lot of nuance to all of us, right. Not all, um, christians are the same not all uh, muslims are the same not all buddhists are the same um, not all atheists are the same um there's there's good people there's bad people yeah okay there's just some people who are just not as healthy and even even when i say bad people i think of it as there's just some people who are just not as healthy that's uh, it and we have to recognize that part too
0: yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, not, not, not a healthy approach to certain things, but there could be many other great qualities about them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's not, it's not quite black and white. Exactly. Um, it said, I don't, know, it said that people have psychological people that have psychological issues. It normally stems from childhood. Would you say that that's normally the case or could it just happen from any point of their life? Like when you are dealing with someone, dealing with someone, like when you have um, a patient that you are talking with, do you normally take it back to childhood to really, you know, dig in the gutter and find out, okay, what's the foundation here? Or is it normally a little superficial stuff at the very end?
1: Yeah. So, so a great question. Really, really good question. Um, it, it, the, the it depends answer, but it's, a, it's an, it depends answer in some ways. Um, there are some individuals that want to only focus on the here and now, meaning whatever set of symptoms are most problematic to them at that moment. And, and, and that's fine. We, we can do that. We'll just spend time focusing on it here and now. And sometimes that's actually just important. You just need to do that. You don't need to fix everything. Just just fix that one here and now, create a little bit of space for them to move into wellness, and then they can start eventually come back to doing greater work. So starting even when I work with a client, we always start with goals. What do you want to get out of this, right? Not, not what I want, not what I've seen in your history or what we talked about already. It's like, what do you really want? Because I could address all the things I'm like, oh, yeah, we got to work on that child thing. We gotta work. But if that's not what their primary goal, they're not going to get as much from it. Um, so even, I mean, that's actually, if, if anyone is going to be working with a therapist, you know, I would want them to make sure that they're um, always thinking about what their goals for therapy are. And is that aligned with what the goals for therapy with the therapist is, right? So that you guys are working together towards that goal. Um, for if, if I ever meet with a, whenever I meet with a client, um, there are times we do try to take it all the way back. And those are the ones that are willing to, it might, it's definitely not going to be in that first conversation. Um, First, we really need to understand that initial moment, you know, that here and now the current symptoms. And then we build from that. We start to make those connections into the past and say, Hey, I'm hearing this destructive narrative that you've, It comes out every once in a while and when we talk about things where did that come from right and starting to have those little just little quick questions on it because i want them to start that process of going doing the digging a little bit themselves too you don't want to spoon feed everything right you know you don't want to go oh you know what based on what you told me in your history i think this is why you're probably doing this now sometimes you might help them a little bit with that but the more profound realizations is when they go do it themselves when they're like you know what doc i went home and we t- you know after we had our conversation and i was thinking about these things and i remember hearing about i am i when this thing happened with my my mom and then i had this interaction with my dad my stepdad and do, 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 and then they start figuring out making connections that's power right that's power those are things that change their 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 ongoing life and development right um those are things that empower them to to now get healthier into the future right? They, they're part of the process. They're not being dictated into health. They're, they're saying, oh, this happened here. This is leading to this. Can I rewrite some of that code? Some of that code that was written in there, that's changed the way I look at the world. I see where it started. I see why it was there. I see why it may have been necessary at a particular point, but can I change it? The truth of the matter is yes. You know, to answer the question even more succinctly, Is if you had childhood related trauma, if you've had particular challenges, especially before the age of seven, it really can hardwire you to have ongoing challenges, but it does not determine your future. Yeah. Okay. That's a big one. I want to anybody. So if someone says, well, you don't know what's happened to me. You don't know what I dealt with. I'm like, I'm sorry that you've gone through what you've gone through, but I always want to speak hope into anybody that that's listening to me you can still rewrite the brain. You can still change things about the way the brain runs. That's the beauty of our brain.
0: So it's really interesting. Um, just just thinking if people are willing to go back and um, I guess dig into areas which might have been um, dis- displeasurable, if that's the correct word, um, to them. And understanding why they have certain behaviors which is now in their life now and why they respond to life a certain way and now it is it's it's placed in front of them they can now look at it and understand and then make some amendments accordingly it's it's quite fascinating really Mm -hmm. without that understanding we've just got this kind of default mechanism and we're responding a certain way with not really taking self-inventory um like this this ain't right uh, but i'm still doing it (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. um it's it's interesting once you know why it's like okay now i can now i can make some changes some positive changes it's, it's really fascinating how you say, yeah, you can just rewrite the, you
1: know. You have to have knowledge. I mean, it's why you do what you do. It's why you, um, you, you push, you know, you, you encourage and you teach and you on, on health, physical health. Um, and even why you're having these discussions, because it's important to have these discussions because then you have knowledge that you can do the things. You can make improvements. If you don't have that knowledge, you can't. If you don't have that example, you can't. You stand as, a, I mean, that's what you're doing for people who, who listen to you. You stand and exa- follow you even. You stand an example of what you can do when you push yourself, right? Like you're literally actually a physical example of that. That's, a, <laughs> that's what you do, <laughs> right? What you do, but you don't default into that. There's no element of that as a default. You have to live into it. You have to set it as a standard or as a goal. And it's not that everybody has to do exactly what you're doing or what I do or whatever. It's more of, you know, find the people that you, you, you can kind of go, okay, I like some of what they do. I like some of what they do. How can I incorporate that into my wellness plan? And this is what I eventually I'll tell, you know, work with my clients on is like, we got to figure out your own formula for health, yeah. right? What is your particular formula or another way I say it is uh, your, uh, your particular operating manual. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not born with one. We don't, don't one doesn't pop out. So you you actually have to figure out how your brain and body works. Some trial and error in there, some reading, some learning, and then you write your own operating manual. That's kind of cool.
0: That is that is really cool.
1: And you live into it.
0: So it's amazing. What is this uh, functional imaging that that you do, um, and and how does it allow you to maybe do more in your in your job?
1: Well, um, so we at the Amen Clinics, we, we use a tool called SPECT neuroimaging. So SPECT um, is single photon emission computer tomography. It's a long term. But the, 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 the point of it is is that we're looking at the brain at work. We're looking at the brain active. We're, we're, we're trying to look at it a little bit differently than using just a standard CT or an MRI, which looks at the structure of the brain for the most part we're looking at how active it is, the function of the brain. So we're looking at blood flow patterns because blood flow goes with activity. Higher blood flow, higher activity. Lower blood flow, lower activity. We also have a good sense of like what healthy activity is overall. So if you're within that healthy range, then good. If you're out of that healthy range, then not as good. We need to now work on those particular things to get your brain back into that healthy range. But the beauty of it is that it helps us really understand what... Um, a healthy brain is, right? Depression or anxiety looks quite a bit different on different brains, and that is, it removes a huge amount of stigma when you're able to see a brain that is healthy, or you see a brain that is not healthy, and it's yours right? If your brain is not functioning efficiently, are you going to be beating yourself up and saying, I'm just a failure? I'm just a... no, it's, you have a medical related condition that's impacting how you focus, how you manage your mood, how you manage your anxiety and such. And that's what needs to be treated. Not that you're a bad person. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. So I, I'm taking it, I take it as, as part of your, um, treatment, Uh, you probably have somebody who's, uh, who deals with like, uh, nutrition, like a a functional medicine doctor perhaps, or are you kind of an all round functional medicine as well as psychiatrist? And I know you've got like loads of different tags to your name. Like you do quite a lot of stuff. Um, how does it work there?
1: Great question. Great question. So, yeah, no, we have a, we have a, we have a team, um, When a client comes in, we do a lot of psychometric testing. So there's like computer game stuff. We do neuroimaging. That's the picture of the brain stuff. And we do lab work. Um, Eventually they may meet with our nutritionist. Eventually they, if they, if they need to, as part of their treatment plan, uh, uh, eventually they may meet with one of our other therapists. Um, They will do certain work with me. They might even do a little bit of therapy with me, but my work would be around creating this kind of holistic treatment plan that's taking account uh, as much of their hormones as possible, um, their labs as possible, um, their symptoms, strategies for helping their brain actually get healthier. So we will talk about nutrition, certain things I will recommend from them. Um, Sometimes we'll, we'll recommend supplements too that actually help the body and the brain work better. And then, yeah, if needed, we'll sometimes recommend even medication but we try to not overly emphasize the last one there I mentioned, the medication, it is, can be part of a someone's treatment protocol. And for some people, it can be 50% of the plan in some ways of like what gets them to its wellness. It can be 60%, but it's never hundred percent. You know, sometimes it's only 20% of the, what gets them to its wellness, right? Because if I change the neurobiology of the brain, I get the brain to work better, but you still have those self-defeating narratives in your brain that's still going to impact your overall wellness. So I still need to work on that also at the same time. Right. Um, So yes, we have a team, we have functional medicine docs that will may do, let's say if I need them to do a whole lot more work on hormones, or I found out that their brain looks toxic and in the history, it seems like they may have had some infectious process that it might've infected that it might've impacted their brain. Or they may have mold in their home and they've been breeding mold spores for years, and that's been impacting the function of the brain. Now they're foggy, they're anxious. You can't think well, or oh, they've been exposed to heavy metals for years, and that impacts the brain. Then I might have one of our functional medicine docs do some workup and some treatment for that.
0: Mm, that's really cool. Really cool. Um, I guess it could be quite hard to learn. I mean, they'd have to do their research. If you ask, do you have mold in your house or something? Some people don't even know because some mold is actually hidden as well. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I want to ask children that are diagnosed with depression. Sometimes you hear of children being put on medication as young as 10. Um, children, I, it, it, I don't know. It almost makes me want to cry inside when I hear stuff like that. I've actually interviewed someone who was on medication at the age of like 13, but I know there, there's some that go on younger. And I, I think to myself, a, a kid, like, really? So I, I don't know whether um, a child has been administered in the clinic which you are in, but what point would it be that a doctor would think, This is serious. They need drugs. We can't do this naturally.
1: Um, Kids break bones. Kids sometimes need surgery. Okay, kids get cancer too. Sometimes they need um, other strategies to treat it. Um, There are medical conditions that at some point in time will require a higher level of care. And it's something that every doctor should be extremely cautious with, especially the younger the child is. Right, So even if they broke a bone or whatever it may be, is there another way I can treat this without it being as invasive? Because actually there's a separate t- type of trauma. It's called like medical-based trauma, right? If you have a kid that doesn't explain understand what's going on in the world, going into the hospital six, seven, eight or whatever, because they have a leukemia or whatever it may be, um, that's challenging for the, for the kid and that can cause trauma in itself. But at times you will need to treat. Um, yes, there are some kids who their symptoms are so severe that they do need treatment. Now, I will say that unfortunately, some kids that probably could have been treated in behavioral strategies, in nutritional changes, in exercise um, strategies, um, are sometimes medicated, and that's sad. That's very sad. I would much prefer that they were. Um, I mean, you you'd be surprised how much changing the nutrition of a kid can impact their behavior. Like it's huge. And, and, you know, depending on their particular environment, the, 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 the parents, whatever it may be going on, um, their particular traumas, they can have, some kids can have really bad behavior, really, really low mood, really depressed. Even some kids at 10 or younger can even get suicidal. You'd be like, what? How do you even hear that term? How would you even think about that? Um, but even young kids sometimes based on how their biology is working and what traumas have impacted their parents, their epigenetics that impact their genes, right? It it can lead them to get to a place where uh, depression can be so severe that someone will need to consider treating even with a medication. At our clinic, we always go with the least toxic, most effective treatment option, okay? Now, that doesn't mean they will never get a a med. Um, The reason is untreated is a bad side effect too. So like untreated is a bad side effect also, meaning that if you don't treat, especially during development, the brain gets better at doing whatever it's doing, good or bad. So especially during development, if your brain is building up its resources and, and how to be depressed, it gets harder to treat your depression later on in life. Yeah. Okay. So it becomes sometimes imperative that we, we're aggressive in treating it, but aggressive in treating it uh, responsibly and holistically. Don't, don't just give the kid a med and think that's going to fix it. No. It, it, meds, if used correctly, facilitate change. That's it. It's like, I think of it like um, if, you, if you're going to train or you're going to work out or something, You might use one of those back braces, depending on what you're, if you're squatting or doing, you know, whatever you're doing, right? You might use a brace, you might use a support, you might use a spotter, you might use something. Meds can be like that. They don't get you your full goals. If you have the expectation that they're going to do all the work, it's not going to work for you. They've helped facilitate change. So if you use a med strategically in that vein, in that way of, of, uh, with that mentality, um, recognizing that you still need to do all the other work then people move more towards wellness. If you don't, then it becomes um, a crutch or something that even hurts or injures.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, So how would you approach moving from, um, you know, the the pharmaceuticals to uh, like functional medicine? Like would there be a certain um, uh, step-by-step process? Like, um, I don't know, like a, up to a certain point where you would say, okay, at this point, we want them completely clean from medication Um, or do you have to keep assessing, um, seeing how the brain is functioning? Um, And yeah, what what would be the approach there for children?
1: Uh, It's Each person is unique. Each person is unique and different. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, There are certain situations where I'll actually have to, let's say if I'm working with a a child patient, but in reality, every child exists in their environment, right? Obviously. So that's their home, their social setting, their social situation and such. And that will impact their behavior in itself, right? So sometimes treating uh, the child is partly treating the environment around them. Some people get, some children get put on meds because their environment is in such an area of disorder Right. That if we can move them into a different environment, they don't need the med. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you don't you don't have that ability to move them into a different environment. Right. But you still need to give them an ability to be able to manage where they are at now to stay safe where they're at now. Right. So it's, it's complex. It's, it's not something that is just simple of like, here's, you know, g- get off meds. I don't even, we're even very cautious with saying that it's not always about just get off meds. It's what gets you to best function in a least toxic way. Okay. So what gets you to function in a least toxic way, right? Untreated symptoms can be toxic in themselves. The the depression, the anxiety, the whatever it may be, the behavioral related issues can be toxic themselves to the brain. So we need to make sure that we're taking care of all those things and not just having a particular focus on 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 this is how we're going to do treatment only right we're only going to use supplements right now we we think how do i get this person to health in the least toxic way possible
0: yeah Yeah. wow wow i think i think i'm done yeah (laughs) that was incredible (laughs) that was amazing amazing um thank you so much for your time um that was really amazing. So your you book, so your yeah. book, um, The Suicide, suicide Solutions, I, I, I definitely need to get that. Do you have an audio version of that at all?
1: That's what we're, we, we got to add that. We just released September 14th, but uh, we got to get the audio going. We got to get someone with your voice to to do the the, the reading because that will keep people listening. <laughs> um, no, yeah, no, that we're that's something we, we're, we're working on because that question comes up a lot. I mean, the way the world is right now, is moving. Um, it'd be a good something to, to be able to uh, listen to. But right now we're pretty much on any, every book outlet I've, I've looked online. We're pretty much on everything, whether it's Amazons or whatever local bookstores you, you have, you can either usually find it. You might find it in person, but most things like we know now are online. Um, some of the bigger department stores in the, the, the U S here, they're here. I, I'm not sure which stores they might be in, uh, in, in Britain and all that, but uh, in, in Europe, but, Mm. Um, I know we're we're international at this point so
0: that's awesome that's awesome yeah. I'll have to get the physical book then but you gotta let me know <laughs> when yes audiobook is available I'm an audiobook fan you know it's a
1: great way to listen to books you can turn it up you know you're just like it's going quicker you, I love it yeah
0: is it's incredible you could do multiple things and you know when you got it's a whole multi-sensory learning when you are, let's say, training or you're walking, you know, you're physically engaged and you're listening at the same time. Um, you can, it's, I don't know, I just find it so easy. I guess I'm more of a, uh, an, an auditory type of, processing, uh, yeah, in, in processing yeah. information. But um, yeah. no doubt, I know the book will be fantastic. Um, where can so people much. find you? Um, yeah, what's, what's your, What's your um, social media handles? I know you're on Instagram.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's so uh, I'm getting more comfortable with the social. I am on on Instagram. It's Doc Emina, M-D, D-O-C-E-M-I-N-A-M-D. Uh, and that's probably the one I manage the most at this point. Um, I also, it's same as, on Twitter, but Doc Amina M-D. Uh, you can find out, you can contact me through that. Um, you know, you can what, DM, me, DM me, is that how they call it? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome
0: to the world of social media. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, what's, what's your website? If somebody wanted to, um, I don't know, look into more detail on what you do and maybe look into the clinic, uh, where, what, what link would they, sorry, what website would they need to go to?
1: Yeah. So our website is amenclinics.com. So amen, A-M-E-N and then clinics. I uh, was we started by Daniel Amen. So that's the amen part of it. Not Amen, you know, kind of thing. But (laughs) (laughs) but so it's AmenClinics.com, and then I am in uh, the Orange County location. So if you click on the Orange County location, you'll see uh, my bio stuff is on there, and a couple of videos and things I've done. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, so and then you can find out a little bit more about what we do. Um, but yeah, no, and, and eventually I'm hoping to, uh, start launching my own website, do the whole thing. So people can get a little bit more information about what, what I'm doing and what we're doing over here. Yeah,
0: that's, that's tremendous. I mean, just you yourself, you do quite a lot. I had a look at your, um, your bio and wow, with the adult psychology and working with, uh, children, adolescents, um, and just everything that you'd been through, um, I think just you alone. I think you 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 need your own little setup there, so people can come to you. You know, definitely.
1: Uh, it's yeah. a it's a blessing. It's a privilege to do this work. It it gives me my purpose, um, and my goal is to kind of help my my clients find their purpose. So.
0: Incredible! I love what you yeah. do, yeah. Doctor thank, so thank you so much for your time today. I truly appreciate, it, my friend.
1: Hey, thank you for having me on. Um, and it's a privilege to be on your platform. I have a privilege to sharing this message that you have of wellness not only physically but mentally emotionally spiritually all of it Um, so thank you for what you do
0: no worries at all God bless
1: thank you for tuning in today's episode
0: any guests which I have on the show really provide some golden nuggets and useful life-changing tips so always feel free to check out their social media platforms or website links which will be written in the show notes these shows are financed by my sponsors, so your contributions are always greatly appreciated. Any clickable links with discount codes will not only provide you with the best services, but will help out the podcast too. So thank you. If you do like the Roger Snipe Show podcasts, then why not give it a review? A five star would be awesome. But some great feedback on what you liked about the show or what you would have liked to hear would be helpful too. Until next time.